All right, folks, it's another episode of the Gary and Mark Show. And I'm Gary. And I'm Mark. And we're coming to you. We're not live. We're not live, but we are alive, Gary. We're alive. And we're alive somewhere entirely new. Well, we are. We are in the living room of the house where I live with my wife, Barbara. That's right. We've yeah. been on the porch one time, yeah. early days of COVID, uh, yeah, we, that's two right. years ago. Yeah. But first time you let me come indoors. Thank well, you, we thank threat, you, Gary. Threat of rain. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. back in February last time, and it was like yeah. 12 degrees out there, and he said, can't come in because of COVID. But, yeah. But uh, thank you, Gary. It's nice to come inside. I've never seen this house. Oh. So, just kidding. Yeah. All right. 36 <laughs> years we've been here. Wow. Yeah. Goodness. Probably older than a guest. Uh, Close. 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 All right, we have so a guest. We do. Let's get right into our guest unless Let's we got something right else. get right in because we are super honored today. This guy, we're not making this stuff up. This guy is the real deal. He's the author. I'm going to hold up. This is the first book he did on hiking North Carolina's fire towers. It is. And, of course, now our radio listeners here are probably not seeing this book. But yeah, they're not. You well, can describe the... Well, it's a beautiful view from... Which one's that from, Peter? That one's from the Yellow Mountain Lookout Tower. Yellow Mountain Lookout Tower. Anyway, so Peter Barr here, who we're going to let him talk about it, but i got to talk about him first. This book came out in 08, and this guy so loves North Carolina's fire towers and protecting them. He's raised money to help fix them up, and his love of these fire towers did not stop with this guidebook he just put out a book with the photographer kevin adams was it last year or two years ago it was last year but it kind of came out during the covid period so it and feels like it's still just it's out. called exploring north carolina fire towers it is a gorgeous coffee table book and i have a coffee table but i don't have the book <laughs> on the coffee table but do but you own the book gary i don't yeah did he bring you a sample well, in the car know. But anyway, you can get this book in a soft cover for thirty dollars. That's right, and hard hard cover for forty bucks. Uh, he did a presentation at Hendersonville Library just last week. I went and a big hit. So I'm curious how many fire towers there are in North Carolina Ooh. that people can visit. Well, first to follow up, Gary, if anybody is interested in it, it'd be an honor. But you can get it at nclookouts.com nclookouts.com and i'll even yeah. i'll even sign it okay um, and we'll put that in the web link and stuff for people to so check the out. the book features 28 historic fire lookout towers in western north carolina there's a few more than that uh, but the others aren't uh publicly accessible so having only seen a few up close i mean are it so are they still in use in other words not accessible but can people i mean they still use them for fire search no they no longer use them for fire detection um fire detection more modernly um starting in the 60s 70s depending on whether it was national park service u.s forest service they they started to uh, decommission them because they replaced fire detection with aerial detection they could fly one plane cover a whole lot more area see a lot more stuff don't they don't have to pay a whole bunch of guys on mountaintops all over the region and then keep up these structures that that fall apart in, yeah. in these extreme situations. So no longer use for fire detection. And nowadays most fire is reported by the public using cell phones. Um, so and it's actually a lot, about that, yeah. lot cheaper and more efficient today. 
Um, but they, many of them are still around, and they now are often incorporated into our um, outdoor recreation trail systems, and whether that be national forests, state parks, national parks. Okay, so how tall are you, just offhand? I'm six one. Oh, you are. Because I said we look so short. Because I think it's our chairs are. Our, it, yeah, we're we're not that much shorter than Peter. We we just gave him not the that tall had anything chair. to do with anything. But I'm just saying yeah. he looks. Yeah, okay, but he, yeah. he's definitely taller than me. Anyhow, so, so I'm going to uh, another thing here about when Peter Barr came to Diamond Brand in '08, wanting to do the, uh, the book launch for his book, and I just knew him as an enthusiastic kind of person and like he'd been he'd been to a few other book launches there and that's where he wanted to do it and i think we had about 80 people Goodness. i mean he had a good turnout but at that time in his life he was not really a public speaker and i'm over there kind of hoping this is going to go okay and it, it will go. It did because what came through was his his love of the outdoors and the history. And it seems like was didn't you your first fire tower you climbed up was Shuck Stack. It was, and and it was like Paul on the road to Damascus. I mean, it was kind of like a religious experience. It was, in fact, that. Uh, very first fire tower actually changed the direction of my life after that climbing that tower and finishing that backpacking trip um, I pretty much knew from that moment standing in that tower that uh, I no longer wanted to pursue the career path I was on I was in college at the time and that I wanted to pursue a career that involved these mountains and involved this very special region whether that be uh, protecting and conserving them or building trails on them and um, ultimately, that's that's what came to be, and what led me to this region and um, to have a career involving the mountains. So Peter is a trail specialist and designer, and all kinds with conserving Carolina. And I'm a member of that. There you go. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. Thank yeah. you. Me too. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Great. Or- yeah. It's one of the few organizations I still have money to spend. Yeah. Keep my membership. You know, we have events where you could um, provide some uh, auction items like a pocket whiz. or The big uh, whiz pocket. This guy knows our podcast. He does. He does. does. We need to make sure he gets a a gift card for Rabbit Island Resort before we we leave. Yeah, anytime he wants to take his RV there. Yeah, I know he has an RV or full-time in your RV, right? Yeah, my wife and I, my wife Allison and I have been full-time adventuring across the country in our RV for about a year and a half now. So where is it parked right now? Then right now it's at our home, oh, uh, have, south of Asheville. House, yeah, okay. we do, we do. So what was your career path? Then you said you decided that wasn't going to be your career path. You're going to go into outdoors more. Yeah, oriented. so I was studying sciences in college, and with the intention of going to medical school, oh. and um, <laughs> it was the combination of this experience at Shuckstack and and forming this relationship, this instant relationship with the Southern Appalachian Mountains. Um, and then also I, I had spent uh, a number, quite, quite a good bit of time with different um, physicians and different specialties and saw a lot of neat stuff. I got to see surgeries and babies born and emergency room visits. Um, but it, it uh, most of those physicians spent a good bit of the time they were with me um, trying to convince me why other professions might be more 
um, appealing to go into, and and they all appeared to not be especially fulfilled, and so that kind of last left a lasting yeah. impact on me too. Interesting. Now, where is this shuck stack? Oh, that's in the Smokies, and okay, you know, here I, of course I've been hiking for over fifty years, but I never cl- did that section of the AT till a couple of years ago. Really? Yeah, it's a. It's a the trail getting to it, say from Fontana Dam. It's it's a it's got a lot of ups in it. Uh-huh. It's a hoof. I think I'll be uh, reading about that one in your book then. Yeah. <laughs> so that you know that was his kind of religious experience, but then I still remember from his original presentation too, talking about the Wesser Fire Tower. And Earl Schaefer, and and so he started talking about Earl Schaefer, the first man or first person credited with through hiking the AT in '48. How that? Well, I'll let him tell the story. But I went to his presentation again the other night, and he told the story again, and I never get tired of so hearing. He's it. a public speaker now. He's a heck of a public speaker, he and gets paid to do that, and he's not getting paid to be on this show. So, and uh, he's not accepting gifts. Gifts. Yeah, gifts. Yeah. We hope that book, Gary, can give him that book. Yeah, is it uh, autographed? By the way, <laughs> heck yeah, it's autographed. Uh, <laughs> I forget where I was now, but he's yeah. Any sorry, Peter also You're threw, in your house. He threw hike the AT. Uh, you said that That's in a- 2010 and raised money actually to help protect. Was it the fire tower to restore the Shuckstack Tower? Okay, yeah. So yeah. were you married at that time? I was so do, actually she, recently married. Married in two thousand and eight. Did she go with you for part of that, or did she? she? She did not, but she was the one who suggested the idea that I do it because she knew it was a lifelong dream of mine, and we were using it as a transition. We lived in the big city of Charlotte, had become disenchanted with city life, yeah, and yeah, at that it. point we had been we had been coming up to Western North Carolina almost every weekend for a handful of years. So he, here started feeling more like home than charlotte and so we moved and that the through hike was a transition between that and you did that in 2010 yes and allison gets big credit for that because anybody i know who's through hike the trail their support crew they she was along to help support yeah, she would mail me boxes in every town. Oh, she didn't so, follow you along in a truck, though. No, no, but she was my support from home, uh-huh. uh, for sure. Uh, she'd mail me a box uh, about every five days that had food and even counting out the number of pieces of toilet paper that I needed. Oh, my so gosh. That sounds like Gary during was, when the, we had that shortage of toilet paper. You said you and Barbara used to count out so many squares. Squares, squares <laughs> yeah, count squares. Well, that sounds great. You know, so I've been uh, section hiking, through hiking for 40-some years. I'm up to, like, mile 32 now so i got a ways to go i'm not sure if i'm gonna make it now mark used to have a summer camp that was located very close to carver's gap yeah it was between iron mountain gap and hughes gap okay right right below roan mountain sure sure yeah you've hiked that place oh i I have hiked that there's a hostel up there now greasy creek hostel or something like that with the crazy cat lady Really? <laughs> yes. I could check her out. Doing uh, I, I, forgive me, I forget her name, but that was one of the more interesting experiences on my... She's still doing that? My, I believe she is. Jerry, um, we need to go up there and do a podcast. Okay. And and by the way, that term, crazy cat, that's an endearing term. Oh, good. <laughs> wonderfully kind um, lady. and um, But there are uh, several cats there, which I love. 
and they're very interesting and have their personalities and shapes and sizes. So uh, we had one through hiker interviewed on our show a long time ago. Yeah. Remember? Yeah, Chuck Heron. Yeah. And, uh, so, can't remember what year he went. Uh, yeah, I can't even but 20 or 30 years ago or so. Maybe it was 20th year, being 20 years since that. But uh, Yeah. So uh, you're the only second one I've actually met. I've heard of people. I got a guy <laughs> right down the street here, Charlie, He's down named there? Stilts. That was his – he's six foot. Yeah, what was your eight. trade name? Whippers. My trail name was Whippersnap. I got that when I was a lot younger. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Gary, if you were hiking the AT, what would your trail name be? I don't know. I'd uh, <laughs> slow. Uh, you're, you'd be slow, I'd be yeah. dead. Yeah, there's a – you know, and when I went to a party and somebody was doing something to me there, some medical – oh, yeah, they threw like – I mean, there are a bunch of people around mm-hmm. who have done this, but – I, yeah, Peter, the story of Earl Schaefer and the Wesser Fire Tower. If he kind of plugged that again. Yeah, well, yeah, that, yeah, you bet. So um, Earl Schaefer, as Gary said, was the first man, first person to ever through hike the Appalachian Trail. Um, he did it in 1948. Um, the AT, when it was um, envisioned and then constructed, um, it was never meant to be by its founders a trail that you would hike uh, 2,000 miles from oh, really? Georgia to Maine through 14 states. Um, but Earl um, knew about the trail. It went nearby his home in York, Pennsylvania. And Earl had been in World War II, so 1948, he was not. He was pretty fresh back from the war, and I think he had a lot that he wanted to forget about or work through in his mind. So he basically walked off the war. He lost a close friend, didn't he? He that, did. Yeah. He did. In the war. Yeah. yeah. And so um, Earl set out to do this. He was a very humble man. He did not make any fanfare about this. He didn't announce that it. it was just a personal um, endeavor to him. And so after about a week and a half, uh, roughly, um, he came upon the Wesserbald Fire Tower, which is in the Nanahala National Forest um, on the Appalachian Trail. And Earl looked up and he saw the fire tower operator up there and he's waving him and he says, come on up, come on up. Um, and as you can imagine, uh, somebody whose uh, profession is a fire tower lookout, they're on these remote mountain peaks. They're all alone. So they're incredibly lonely. <laughs> so he was very excited to see another human being. It had been many And hiking days. probably wasn't all that common back then. No. Yeah. In fact, um, yeah, I don't think he was seeing many people along that trail. I think a lot of people had begun to forget about the Appalachian Trail or didn't even yet know what it was. So Earl stayed the night in the tower um, after the invitation, and, and they had dinner together, and they spent most of the night awake talking. And Earl wrote in his journal they covered um, two world war- they fought two world wars, they covered three political election <laughs> campaigns, and they traveled the world over during that conversation. Um, and he woke up the next morning, wrote that he saw the most beautiful sunrise he had ever witnessed, even during all of his time in the South Pacific. And um, so it was a meaningful place to him. But Earl went along his way. He ended up making it to Maine uh, four months later and became the first person to accomplish this feat. Um, but it was kind of right when Earl left what will what was significant about that visit because again that tower operator he hadn't seen anybody in a while he's pretty excited about that and so he was just enamored with earl taking this long distance jersey i mean that's it's pretty 
pretty amazing even to this day. Yeah. Um, so he's got nobody to talk to. So usually telephone wires were strung up to these towers. That's how they report the fires. And he got on the phone and told all of his friends, and he called actually the next couple towers up and said, hey, this guy's coming. <laughs> and so, in, in which case, Earl would actually stay in a number of other ones. And they would even know his name by the time he got there. So word was starting to get out. But then word really got out down into towns. Like, wow, is this really this man hiking 2,000 miles? And uh, there was. And it caught the attention of local media. And it got to the point where, despite Earl being a humble guy and not wanting to make a big deal about this, when he got to mile 500 in Damascus, Virginia, the, the local newspaper was there to, to meet him. And why this is really significant is because in the post-World War II era, um, the whole Appalachian Trail, the concept of this National Scenic Trail, was really kind of falling out of favor. It was losing enthusiasm, losing steam. In fact, Earl wrote in 1948, most of the trail was overgrown and not even marked. In mm, fact, he had a strong difficulty um, following it. And so at that point in our nation's history, the, the AT really risked not being the thing that we now know it as today, not being as beloved landmark, this, this incredible experience. And so I, I make the argument in the book that Earl Schaefer and the Wesserbald Lookout Tower helped to save the Appalachian Trail during one of its most critical moments because that's where word from Earl Schaefer's through hike got out. So that, that's, he got to stay in the towers? He did, yeah. That's, that's amazing, pretty cool. So what about poor old... Grandma Gatewood, whatever her name was. With her shower curtain? That's I mean, right. after the rough life she had with her That's horrible right. husband and all the kids she'd bore, you know. So what, what year did she hike? 50s? Yeah, early 50s. 50s. Didn't she do it twice? Like she Yeah, got I think she did. I mean, didn't she start out one time in Maine and get lost? And I think she had a mishap her first time and then later... I've got a book she about it. She didn't have here. a real backpack, did she? Didn't she have like a rucksack or her blanket? Oh, well, like blanket? a la- like a yeah, like Hide a laundry with- bag or something. <laughs> I I did a presentation once at the AT the 2013 thing about hiking and gear since I'd worked in a store. And the first picture I threw up is Grandma Gatewood. <laughs> You know, with her laundry bag and her shower curtain. And I said, you know, this is the photo that strikes fear in the heart of any outdoor retailer. You know, this is, but she's just a tough farm woman. She, I mean, just a, she was a tough. I had to have been. So was Earl Schaefer. Had well, to have been tough. You know, and, and back to Peter here and his devotion to the kind of the history, uh, when he did the AT and, 2010 of course you start at springer but he also had to go make a pilgrimage to mount oglethorpe which was the original southern terminus oh really when the trail was designed and and he decided to go to the smithsonian where they had earl schaefer's notebook his boots his army uh whatever the mountain pack that he used that was a Army surplus. Yeah. During the trail, you went to the Smithsonian? I did. got off Uh, the trail and got a ride or something? Yeah, so my wife would come see me every once in a while. um, 
and the last place she came to see me that was within reasonable range was Washington, D.C. area. So she picked me up on the northern end of Shenandoah National Park, and she has family there, so we stayed a couple days in Washington, D.C. and and, and made that pilgrimage. And, Gary, another place I also went to was I spent the night on the Westerbald Lookout Tower, just like Earl did. Oh, there you go. So these towers are still open where people can go in them? Well, that one's like a deck now, isn't it? Yeah, they're all different forms. Um, some of them have been converted specifically to an observation platform okay. or, or lookout. That are safe, um, another, more or less. Mostly. Uh-huh. Uh, they're in continually deteriorating condition because of their locations and their remoteness. It's hard to keep up with them. Um, but then others you can go all the way up in, into the what's known as the cab. Um, and then some, the cab is still there, but the agency that administers it locks it to prevent vandalism and um, and so you can still climb the stairs, mm-hmm. which will often get you a really good view, um, even if you can't get up inside it. So they're not trying to take any of them down purposely, I mean. No, they, they still are because they continue to deteriorate and they mm-hmm. become unsafe and they become liabilities. So different agencies, um, you know, for example, the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, Gary, I'm sure you've hiked to many places where you saw the tower footings yeah, still yeah. there and cabin foundation. Um, so a lot of them have been taken down and several of them continue to be taken down. Um, down your way, Mark, there was a tower um, that I swear they took down because they knew I was on the Appalachian Trail because I've, I've been this advocate for towers and um, lobbying for about their historical significance. And uh, they in 2010, I had opposed it for a couple of years because I heard it was coming. And in 2010, they removed the tower on top of Tryon Peak just above Columbus. I didn't even know there was one there. It was late as 2010? 2010. So the North Carolina Forest Service, who who had property? North Carolina Forest Service, Mm -hmm. yeah. North Carolina Forest Service had the most fire towers in the state um, because they were charged with protecting and overseeing private land. So protecting your house and my house and and our, our property. Um, other agencies that had towers were the U.S. Forest Service, National Park Service, um, uh, Bureau of Indian Affairs, and North Carolina State Parks. Well, uh, I want to hear about your work. I want you to tell folks what Carolina, Conserving Carolina is, what the organization is, and it's exactly what you do with them. Sure. So Conserving Carolina is uh, the local land trust oh, to, hat on. There you to go. Uh, Henderson and Transylvania counties. And then we also cover Polk County right. down yeah. your way and um, parts of Rutherford, Rutherford County, particularly in the Hickory Nut Gorge and Lake Lore area. Um, and then even into the edges of up, upstate South Carolina um, and edges of surrounding counties, a little bit of tiny little bit of Buncombe and, and Jackson County as well. And we protect land and water resources, um, conserve them, set them aside, um, largely to improve quality of life. And a lot goes into this. So um, if you protect a natural piece of land that has a lot of natural heritage, even sometimes cultural heritage, um, it keeps this region beautiful, as scenic as it is. It's why so many people come here. Some people come here to camp. Um, it in- increases recreational opportunities like trails for hiking, mountain biking, rock climbing. Um, it preserves rare species. The Southern Appalachian is a highly diverse place. So a lot of reasons that land conservation is important, and, and uh, we, we try to protect the land and water. 
And your money comes, I know there's memberships, but most of it's from grants or? Uh, A a big mix. Um, We do get a lot of grants and and work hard to seek those out. Um, We have memberships. Um, We have larger donors. We have um, foundations. We are sometimes left in the estates of, uh, in people's wills. Um, and, uh, we apply for funding to a couple of North Carolina's state trust funds. These are set aside specifically for conservation and, and parks and recreation. Mm-hmm. Stand back one of those funds. Oh, oh yeah. Yes, he is. He is one of the the more prominent donors to land conservation, not only projects that we've protected, but across the entire state and frankly, across the entire Southeast. Yeah. So your job with conserving Carolina is to help you said, Gary, design trails well, well, or lay them out and what? <laughs> what it, tell us exactly what you did. I mean. Yeah, so um, before I went on the, the road full time, I was the trails director at Conservative Carolina. Now I'm known as the trail specialist. I don't know. That one kind of sounds cooler. Like that sounds good. <laughs> right. Um, and what I do is I take um, an idea for a trail or come up with an idea for a trail or take somebody else's idea or proposal and take it all the way through start from vision to start to finish to caring for it um, for trail projects on lands that we've protected Um, so that includes the the planning the the dreaming part of it Um, that then includes the feasibility and the landowner relations oftentimes a lot of these trails go across private lands and we negotiate with the landowners um, for permanent public access Um, And then I do the physical design, crawling around on my hands and knees, often through rhododendron, um, putting flags in the woods and and laying out the route of the trail. Um, And we do this particularly in a really sustainable way, so not in a steep, straight up the mountain way. And this is because we're a land trust. So natural resource protection is our primary mission. Trails are just kind of a a complement to them. So if we put a trail in, we have to make sure it's going to have a very minimal impact upon the land when we put it in. And then when other users come and use it for decades into the future, that it still minimally impacts that land. Um, And then I, I build the trails and whether that be hiring contractors with machines to build it, leading volunteer crews, working out there with them, putting it on, putting together a lot of resources to get it on the ground. Um, and then when it's said all, all said and done, um, care for the trail. So maintain it, steward wow. it, manage it. Uh, there's oftentimes even more management than there is maintenance because there's parking lot and overcrowding issues. And, and for example, yep. COVID, you know, we saw a huge surge in outdoor recreation use of our trails. Um, and then I would say I'm also a, a, a fundraiser and marketer because yes. I have to um, contribute to to the, the the team effort to raise money for these trail projects to, to, to build them, to acquire the land or acquire the easement, to put them on the ground, continually care for them, um, build all those rock stairs on Wildcat Rock oh, Boy, trail. what an amazing feat. So where is that trail? Is that in Well, it would go from Girton down at okay. the up to Bearwalla. And you say that's tough. It's because it, ha- I mean, it's well built, but it's got lots of step ups. Mm-hmm. Which for these old legs, oh, I mean, yeah. I had my trekking poles too, but a lot of step ups. Gary, I'll... there's a funny story why those steps are so big. Have I told it to you? Uh-uh. <laughs> so the reason they're high knee steps, meaning they're, they are much taller than a normal step, 
is because each one of those stairs cost me a lot of money. So <laughs> well, there we go. I'm sure it's so, so I tried to minimize the yeah. amount we use. So how would you get, I imagine those steps weigh hundreds of pounds then? They do. So how do you get them up there? Yeah, so they were quarried um, probably about 100 yards away really? um, from the side of the mountain. There's a lot of rock on the north side of the mountain, especially in the Hickory Neck Gorge. Um, but then the, the contractor, that project was done by an outfit, uh, Benchmark Trails out of Greenville, South Carolina, led by a really talented um, rock worker on trails named Dino Contos. And he and his crew quarried them about 100 yards away. And I kid you not, they flew them through the air and and put them directly and dropped them directly in place where they needed to go. And they, they did this with a high line system, cables. Oh, you and mean not a, not a helicopter. You mean they picked them up on cables? and Yeah, yeah. Oh Metaphorically, they flew them through <laughs> the air. But, yeah, they hoisted them up on a cable to a, a horizontal line, then flew them horizontally over that 100 yards. And um, and then lowered them down into place. And they did this uh, up from the waterfall, Gary. There's many more stairs. There's probably oh. five, six hundred stairs on that trail. But uh, right by the waterfall, those particularly high ones. Yeah, um, 136. Wow. So uh, there's no plan to do like Grandfather Mountain, put an elevator up through the middle. <laughs> no. or something. No. But we do have an elevator in the Hickory Nut Gorge. You can take an elevator up chim- most of the way up Chimney Rock. Well, I got to say, all your conserving Carolina. Stuff you've done, Bearwalla Sunday after. I mean, by the time we got back to Bearwalla Sunday afternoon, from it was packed with really? people. It's, it's the, gorgeous. Uh, the gravel road down there, just cars lined up. And no, that's not the gravel road. Not Boys Camp Road. This is a uh, no, no, no. This, this is, is up closer Bearwalla. to Bearwalla. Okay. You've been, you've yeah, I've been in there, Howard yeah. now. Oh, yeah, yeah. It is gorgeous. Yeah, We're up near the to... Grand Highlands. Which this is nicer to me than the Grand Islands. But mm-hmm. we, Sounds uh, better than Girton. Yeah. No offense to Girton people. Do you live in Girton? I do not. Okay, but it's nice. It's the furthest place you can get from anywhere. It'd still be in Henderson County. Right. Girton. I come to yeah. there to go visit a guy. Blue Ridge Adventure Vans. Ever heard of? Sure. Sure. Yeah. 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 I've done a couple things on my van. So I've okay. come the long way through Lake Lure. Yeah. Because yeah. I like that road. And uh, Yeah. Started. They'll put solar panels and everything on. All kinds yeah. of cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. I got familiar with them a little bit. My wife and I put solar panels on our RV. So. Yeah. We'll have to do a podcast about that sometime. Yeah. Because we didn't even mention that. This is both Mark and Gary share. Uh, they're both RV people. Yeah. But he's full time. Yeah. Lives in his. I live in mine just. Every so often, you know, a week, yeah. every three weeks or four weeks or so. But, but you uh, host people like I that. do. I've had a lot. Yeah. Boone Doctors, welcome. So uh, this land, like uh, at Hickory Gorge, who mm-hmm. owns that? Is that some of it still privately owned or does Conserving Carolina own it or yeah, state the, own it? Or? Uh, it's a big mix of everything you just mentioned. The majority of it is actually still privately owned. And so as a land trust, one of our specialties is working with uh, private landowners, only willing private landowners who want to partner with us on, on a project. And um, so we'll either acquire their land, they may sell it to us, um, they may donate it to us, or oftentimes what we do is um, purchase or receive the donation of a conservation easement. And that's where they protect the natural resources on it. They can't ever develop it, build on it, they can't mine it, log it. 
but they still own it. And mm-hmm. Bearwall Mountain's actually a, they, they a case of that. They can't sell it, or if they, they can sell it, but, but the it conservation a, easement goes with the deed. Of so you the couldn't develop it, so they can sell it just for a natural right. place. So someone's right. going to buy it. And then to, they get an incentive like a tax break. They do because yeah. conservation has a benefit yeah. to our entire community. So would you? Gary's got like a quarter of an acre back there. Would you be interested in? Getting an easement on that? On that. See Not specifically. We have an old city right-of-way back behind here, so we could put a little trail on there. Yeah, a little one. Yeah. A little one I could do. <laughs> Go by Gary's outdoor shower. Uh, yeah, which I haven't turned on yet. What? But I can. It's, it's April warm almost. enough. Yeah, yeah, usually late April. Yeah, so usually Gary likes I'll, to take his showers outdoors. I Did do. you know that? How do your neighbors feel about that? Gary? They can't see it. <laughs> okay. So he, thinks, he thinks they can't see yeah. it. <laughs> Would they <laughs> tell you? No, they wouldn't. Who's that lady on Bewitched that was always a nosy neighbor? She probably lives back there and she no, sees you. No, actually got a new neighbor here, but I don't think she can't see from her. Okay. That's what yeah. he thinks. All right. So uh, any regrets about not going into the medical field? Sounds like you... you no, so. not at all. I, um, I I found my professional career very, very fulfilling. And um, it's really exciting to be part of not only protecting land, but to building something that then is a way to share that land with others and for not just now but generations in the future yeah. so um, no not not a single regret so you were are you from charlotte you mentioned you came i from grew charlotte. up in charlotte okay yeah. where'd you go to school just off here? um out in union county at okay. piedmont high school i'm curious i don't know any schools in charlotte i'm just on a, i'm a, was a retired teacher so i'm always curious where people went to school like gary did you go to school yeah, I did. School. He went to Kentucky. You know, and did you finish? I, eventually, I <laughs> yeah. did. But the idea of any kind of school with extra years, like no, oh yeah, no, I know, yeah, no, yeah, especially no. doctor. Yeah. yeah, he's a doctor of trails. Mm, yeah, we could, we could probably use him in our university. You think so, Gary? I think so. You I know, think he could be. Uh, we in our put him on the faculty list. <laughs> All right, Gary. Yeah, how can we forget this? Yeah. Almost hit the toilet button, though. Well, it's we're honored here. Our newest faculty member. Oh, man. We got more faculty members than students here. We do. You sure this is Peter Barr. Peter Barr. Our, our, our fire tower specialist, our trail specialist. <laughs> Better write this down. We, all right, you, you make the presentation oh, Look at this. Here. Look, look here and here. Hold it up to the camera. Right, hold it up to the camera. You people on the radio, I'm holding up. Here you go, Peter Barr. And it's framed. Yes, it's, it's framed. framed. A BS in oh, podcasting. That's the, wrong, that's the wrong sticker. We got to get his GMP GMP on the back of it. Oh, yeah. Well, well that's I've his, got those that's his bone. I've got them. I've got them anyway, over here. Anyway, so, so Peter Barr here, <laughs> author, trail specialist, backpacker, outstanding human, and husband of Allison Barr, and he, another shout out to Allison. He couldn't do all this stuff without her. Anyway, there we go. He now is a graduate of the Gary and Mark Podcasting University. I bet this is going to go in a prominent place in the RV. You know what? It should. And in your, we can get you a duplicate office for the conserving Carolina people. Oh, that'd yeah. be nice. Yeah. They would be. They would yeah. be. Uh, very proud of that, and you should be proud of that. It's yeah. not, there aren't many people who have one of those. And no. with extra honors. Extra, and extra honors. Is extra yeah. honors, absolutely. Yeah. And Gary's working on the curriculum for the master's degree program in that, mm, but we're right. not quite there yet. Is it yeah. going to be more rigorous? Oh, yeah. Okay. It will can't be, be but, less, I'll say that right. much. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be. 
And, it can, and so we people who don't know, you know, our viewers, if someone's first time tuning in, tell them about the Gary and Mark podcast at University, Gary, like how much it cost. Well, it actually doesn't cost you anything other than your time. You could enroll, get a degree, and not owe anybody any money. Well, from it's free. It's free. And it's free. you you get a certificate. You, you get a certificate with your name on it, with not your name just inked in with a sharpie or something. Remember, education is painful and expensive, but in this case, it's free. It's free. Yeah, and we are the only university still in this country or world where you can enroll and graduate in the same day. Sometimes the same hour. If same I'm hour. We were pointing to the spear on COVID. And I'm, I'm living proof. There you go. There you go. He didn't even know he had entered. He yeah, enrolled. There you go. Not only did he enroll and graduate in just the last 30 minutes, he's now become a professor. Yeah. All right. That looks going to look good on your list of uh, things in your next book. Yeah. You Do you have any books coming out? Uh, I have long been working on a book about the 100 highest peaks in uh, the southeastern United States, so in the southern Appalachians. Um, I've kind of given up on it, but I, I may – Start working on it again. You know, our, our 12 viewers will probably buy a copy. Uh, that would be great. So, uh, or 12 listeners or and viewers. So, uh, well, yeah, I think it's been a good show. I'm tickle pink that we got to have Peter Barr. I know. I'm glad to meet him. Yeah, yeah. He's a good friend of Gary's. And I feel like we're friends now, too. Yeah. We're also RV buddies. We'll look for you down the road. Buddy. And co-faculty. That's right. Yeah. yeah, we'll have to have a faculty meeting soon. As soon as yeah. this is over, we'll have a okay. faculty meeting. So, uh, three of us. That's All right. Now we got to thank our sponsors. We, I was going to say if Gary could remember that. Do you remember the sponsors, Gary? Well, I remember there's the big whiz pocket buddy. Which, of which Peter has mentioned, mentioned that. And now that COVID's kind of been receding, uh, it's coming back, the, the big whiz pocket buddy. That's right. There's it's still a, a useful app. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a Rabbit Island, of Rabbit course. Rabbit Island Resort's just a hair better. And we're not there today, but no. Saluda, Saluda Outfitters. Yeah. Yep. The White Dove release. There you go, L.J. Myers. L.J. Myers. We got, we got a lot of we got just like students and graduates yeah. and professors. We have more uh, of our sponsors than we have money. Actually, we we need to hit them up for some money. <laughs> Did see you know Green what? River Big Eddie's Green River Tap Room. That's pretty good. Pretty close. That's Big pretty Eddie. close. Big Eddie. Big, Big Green River Eddie's. Big River Room, something. <laughs> we also got uh, Iron Key Brewing. He, uh, he stopped drinking beer for a few days, but that's down in Columbus, North Carolina. It's in a former prison. It is. You ever heard yeah. of it? In uh, Columbus, I, I Iron have Key. not. And then uh, Gary's got these little oh yeah koozies here from uh, Athletic Brewing Company, the non-alcoholic beer. Now we'll say, Peter, that some of these people don't even know their sponsors. So, uh, but we uh, we'll, we. They gave us a fr- three feet, three free beers that's together all it takes. combined. Yeah, that's not, all it not takes. Three each. That's all it takes. Yeah. So uh, we want to thank Peter. That was yep. a great show. Thank you, Peter. Thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah you anything else you want to say about uh, some inspiration to uh, our folks? Uh, no, I, I really want to thank both of you, not only for having me, but for entertaining me for many, many, many hours uh, through your podcast. I've listened to most of them. And he did tell us how one. In the jungles of Hawaii, he did. He was listening. What on your eye? On your phone or something? And 
Yeah, on Why, my phone he, he, on the island of Molokai. I was climbing a, a volcano through the jungle that didn't have a trail, and uh, you guys were keeping me sane and entertained. That's that's what we do. We keep people yeah. sane. That's and I remember that trip uh, almost in lockstep as if it was with you guys. There we go. That's cool. well, That's as close as I'm going to get to climbing a volcano in me, Hawaii. Me too. Yeah. Well, Peter, thanks so much for being here. Yeah. Thank you, Peter. So uh, I'm Mark. I'm Gary. This is... Peter. Yeah. We'll see you in the next episode. This is episode 54, by the way. All right. Yep. Boom, 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 boom.